This is Brian with All Thread Voice. This is episode seven. I wanted to take a moment here and just pause before we get into this week's episode. We record these episodes ahead of time. They're usually a week ahead before they get released. We are largely apolitical at the business. We serve all that come into the business. We are here for everybody. Uh, We just want to think of everybody that's suffering, that's in pain, that's hurting, the loss of life, the loss of property. This has been a difficult week and going into a a difficult weekend. Like I said, there's nothing that's more powerful than independent business owner. So if there's anything that you can listen to and take away from this week, maybe it gives you an inspiration to do your own business. Ted and I believe that there's nothing better than independent small business owner to make a change in this community. It's why we do what we do. It's why we get up every morning. It's why we do the podcast is to support our community, either as to support our employees or to educate people and push small business out into the world because we believe that it's going to be a change for everybody around us. I know this is a small community that I'm talking to. Last time I checked, it was about 450 subscribers. But if anybody can take away one thing or hear one thing and be able to be inspired or make a difference in their business or start that business for the first time and go make a change, I think small business is that vehicle for change. Ted and I agree on that. And so as you listen to this week's episode, hopefully you learn something, you're able to take away something. You know, it's it's hard to say. So I'll leave it there and we'll get into this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your for subscribing to the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, drop us a line at show at allthreadinc.com. Once again, the email is show at allthreadinc.com. We're still continuing this series of where we talk about Ted and his early days of American Chair Store and All Thread Inc. In this episode, he t- we describe, we continue describing the what we call the O'Malley location, which is a new warehouse that his investors suggested for him to move into. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. So, how was your week last week? <laughs> It was awesome. The weather's getting better here. It's uh, we're kind of getting out of winter. Um, we really didn't have much of a spring here in Michigan. It, 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 winter was cold, but not a real tough winter. And then spring was cold, and now we're in this mini spring, I guess, and we're transitioning into summer. So it's it, it's nice. I, I I like not being cold for a change and clean the car off to go to work. Yeah, and then we moved those two pieces of equipment out this week too. The the brown dryer and the brown press. Yeah, and that was a lot of work. Yeah, breaking down the brown was a lot of work. The press and putting it on three pallets. And then that dryer, uh, that was a lot heavier than I thought. And then when we put it on a, a stack of pallets and then lowering it, yeah, that was a little more sketchy than I, I thought it would be. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot heavier than 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 I thought it would be too. Yeah, and I was thinking about that a little bit too this week. How much 
extra inventory and equipment we had and like when this whole COVID thing started you know you started selling some of the inventory we had stashed away we have an attic we had some up in there well it's actually a loft and that's been helping us out selling things we don't need it's part of the mood of getting rid of stuff you don't need and and that that's been helping us out and and this move selling the press and the dryers not really so much financial is more more transitioning to other type of equipment yeah and I, I think it really forces you to get like i don't know i feel like it's kind of like a broken record but getting back to the basics but i think that's the biggest thing too is is it really allows us to focus the business yeah we've talked about that several times it, it you know you set a broken record but some reason it still gets back to that it was a waste management podcast we listened to some weird podcasts but that one podcast with that guy and how he had a do-over and this kind of gave us a do-over not only so much on the business and the people but also the things we need and don't need you know like all the plastic shelves we sold and well we don't need that and somebody can use them in their garage and yeah it's it is a broken record but it's not it's kind of our day-to-day life right now do you have any thoughts about the previous episode or i do the last week you were asking about going from the truck to working full-time and you hear this long pause and it kind of sounds like i was having a hard time answering and, and i was because i was thinking about so many things and how do i answer it because i've never really taken money out of the business and you know people having the idea to go into business to make money i'm probably the wrong person to ask because what i way i see it owning a business or owning your own small Etsy you're doing that's a labor of love and it's kind of like the thing if you find something you like you never have to work a day in your life and that's really true and I base my opinion on because I've always sold to other businesses like when I sold to restaurants or hotels I've always been in the B2B so I've talked to or spoke with probably hundreds of business over the last 20 years and pretty much everybody has the same experience because you see business owners and some might have a nice house or they appear to have a nice lifestyle but you don't see the back end you don't see the hours they put into it you don't see everything they have on the line to make this happen there's more you put into it than you get out of it and so it really has to be a labor of love and that was kind of the reason for the long pause because you know i was thinking about that and remembering that and the transition and and it isn't easy making a paycheck because you pay everybody else first you pay the employees first the utilities first the vendor everybody get you're the last one that gets paid so can you tell me some more about like you know that feeling of going to becoming a full-time employee of the business and how that felt well 
you know, at the time, I, I like I said, I, I didn't really have a fear, and there wasn't a, like an euphoria thing, like oh, I arrived or anything like that. It was, it was just more like another job. I think where the issue came in was more managing it. You know, managing managing the money, um, how to handle it correctly, um, making sure the employees get paid there wasn't that cushion of i have a full-time job so you know i'm i'm okay there but i got to make sure the employees in the business now you know there was an added um an, an added expense and it, it just made things a little more complicated so before we, you know, I think we're in the cusp of getting into the, the topic. Um, we'll just recap what people talk about. We've been t- talking to Ted, uh, the owner, founder, uh, ACS Homework, All Thread Inc. Um, we're going through the basics, the beginning of the series of the founding of All Thread Inc. and ACS Homework. Um, we've been telling the story a little different by geography, by each location, and we're kind of on what we call the O'Malley Drive location. A warehouse in Coopersville. Ted got the advice to go into this warehouse from his investor, and a lot of things kind of happened at this location where we saw a lot of growth, and a lot of things have changed. Um, and we we talked about last last episode, and what we're talking about now is his transition from going from a full-time truck driver to working in the business full-time. And one of the things is when you're working as an over-the-road truck driver, you're not doing it on the side. You're not working your nine-to-five and then spending your nights and weekends at the business. You had very limited access to it, and it was very through telephone, email, that type of thing. So now this is your first experience of actually getting hands-on with the boxes, hands-on with the packages, hands-on with the team, and then also starting to draw your own salary from the business. So what we're talking about is that transition point. And then what I want to know more about in this episode was kind of that culture shift of, okay, well, going from part-time to full-time, and how does that feel? Yeah, kind of looking back on that, I sales started to change quite quickly because then I could start focusing on the customers. I could follow up to make sure they're happy with their order. And I could call out to customers that had questions where before, if you're working full time, you might not be able to get back to them that day. Maybe even a couple days, I guess. But I was able to be more efficient so that brought in more sales so the sales increased uh, fairly quickly and so that started to help and then I started getting I didn't really get involved with the packing and shipping part because I was busy selling buying doing the accounting and maintaining the business what I was doing on the road I was doing now actually at the business but there were periods where I did get involved with the packing and shipping because that when we first moved into that building there was a large warehouse area and there was an office area and the office area is divided in half and so we got one half office area and some warehouse space and another company got the other half warehouse or office space and then out in the warehouse was two three companies so we had a space in the warehouse plus the other companies 
and, uh, and then there was uh, like a wood shop on one end. So there was quite a few companies in this warehouse. And when we were in that office space, basically we didn't set up offices. We made it into a mini warehouse, had carpet on the floor, and we set our product on boxes. And I th- think maybe some plastic shelves. That's what we recently sold was some of those. And... Uh, so we were working out of this office space, plus we'd have to walk out to the warehouse, get some of our stock and bring it back and forth. And I remember I landed this account from a sewing club. And the idea was that the person that was in charge of the sewing club would sponsor um, a towel and say, okay, this is a towel, this is a good product to sew on, and they'd do embroidery, and then we would ship to each person of the sewing club. And I remember when I brought the order in, it was a fairly large order. I mean, they were buying almost 10,000 towels, so that means most people did not buy one towel. They bought... Well, some bought one, but most of them bought 20 or so. So it wound up being several thousand small orders. And I remember the two women working with me that were with me, you know, when we were at the, um, what we call the post office, the strip mall. They thought I shouldn't have probably took the order in because the scale and us trying to ship that and the and way we were set up. But it didn't bother me because we had office space or warehouse space. We had the docks. We had the room. We can do this, and we need to do this in order to grow the company. We we can't shy away orders, and it isn't so massive like like a Walmart call us up and okay, I want five semi loads of towels well obviously i can't produce that but i can handle a thousand shipping out a thousand piece orders there's got to be a way we can handle this and so there's a little bit of tension sorting through that figuring it out getting the orders out working with a sewing club and, and we did it and that's how we've always done that is we find a challenge and we'd meet the challenge just like when we got that first big order from that um, grocery store chain over at the post office location and yeah it took us a week to fill the order and yeah we had to call in friends and family to ship it and yeah we had to put the boxes in a van or pick up and drive them um, a couple buildings down so they could put them on a, a semi truck there are challenges but you just figure them out as you go and and that's the way business is and so when i was there full time now i'm there kind of leading the troops going we can do this and yeah it's not going to be easy yeah we don't see how we're going to do this but we can figure this out so that was part of the changes is i think those challenges of oh my gosh what are we going to do how we're going to do this came up more often and we started operating more like a business and and that was part of the culture change so i wanted to kind of like back up just a little bit before we get into the operations um could you tell me more about what that decision point looked like for going full-time in the business was it just like a gut feel or what were there numbers that you're looking at on in the accounting side or what did what you know showed you the sign that you had to go full-time well when i 
received the loan from the investor and we moved into the new location i stopped driving truck over the road and i started driving locally so the job i think i had to go into work 10 in the morning and I worked to like 8, 9 o'clock at night. So that gave me a chance to get up early and work in the business in the morning. And then on my lunch breaks, I could answer any phone calls that came up during the day. So that helped because when we moved from the post office to O'Malley, I I knew things were going to change and I knew that... um, the responsibilities were going to increase. So I stopped driving over the road. I started working, quote, 9 to 5, but it was like 10 to 8, 9 o'clock at night. So I made that transition to try to help so we could keep the business going because now I got this money to pay back. So what happened, that decision to go full-time, is when I would make phone calls at lunch or in a break, if I had a break, they got to be too overwhelming. Then, you know, I, I set of one or two phone calls I had to make, I had like 10. And, and it just it started getting out of hand, and I had too much respect, you know, working for somebody else. I don't want to steal time. I don't want to do anything that's wrong. I, I'm here to do a job, not to run my business. And it just got to be a bit much. And I unfortunately had to tell them that because um, it was a good job. I liked it. I liked the people I worked with. But I, I had to make a decision, uh, you know, what am I going to do? So it was just more push came to shove. The growth became the growth of the business became too overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, for working uh, full-time and trying to answer. Because, you know, we like I said, we've always worked with other businesses. And when you work with other businesses, a lot of it's relationships, selling. You know, when you sell somebody, you're not trying to sell them a product so you can make money. I mean, ultimately, you need money to survive, but you're trying to solve a problem. So you're investigating, okay, you know, they, they need aprons, okay, what kind of aprons they need, and how are they going to use the aprons, and how often they buy. You don't want to just sell them a product, and then two weeks later, they call you back, and it didn't work, or it's not the right one. You want to legitimately help people out. So you might be on the telephone 15, 20 minutes, and if you have a half hour lunch break, that's basically one phone call. You know, I said, well, there'd be 10 phone calls. Well, if you just made one, you got nine now that you can't make. So it just, it got to that. So how many years into the business was it before you actually went full time? Uh, I believe 10 years, 10, 11 years. That's a, that's some time. Yeah, and what encouraged me is I looked at, uh, well, what's, it, what's the comedian, the Get Her Done comedian? I should know his name. Larry the Cable Guy? Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy. I was watching an interview with him, and he said it was 13 years basically doing comedy part-time till he actually started making a living. And I've seen other interviews of comedians and singers and even actors, and it was like 10 to 20 years before they were able to go full-time and work. So... That encouraged me, and I, I knew that, 
you know, this could take some time. And uh, like I said, I, I would rather go the slow growth route than have the incident success. There's a lot of things you need to learn along the way. So you don't think it was too late in the business or too early? No. No, I don't think it was too late and it was too early. No, because like I said, you, you know, whatever size business you have, you're responsible for that. And we keep saying that and maybe we always will because it's true. You know, you have your rent, you have your labor. So the beginning of each month, you have X amount to come up with in 30 days. And next month, and you have to be comfortable with that, and you have to develop your market and your systems, and it takes time. So you talked about you never drew a paycheck from the, the business. So was this the first paycheck that you actually drew from the business at that point? Yeah, and that was weird. And and it still is. I really do not take much out of the business. I I do get a paycheck now, but I do, do not take bonuses. I don't, oh, I deserve this, and I pull money out or... Um, and, yeah, I, I just I remember when I was younger and I worked for a waterbed company, and the owner would sometimes come in and pull cash out of the cash drawer, and I, I don't do anything like that. It's it's not making me a, um, you know, a hero or anything like that. It's just. I, I don't operate that right way. You know, I feel privileged. I, I get to work and run ACS, but um, I, I do not pull money out. Why did it take you so so long, or what was the thought process of waiting so long to actually reimburse yourself for the time that you put into it? Uh, cash flow. It, cash has always been tight, and that's the nature of business. Everybody operates and struggles with cash flow, uh, especially if you have a business like we're a product business versus a service. So we have to buy product and supplies and resell it, and there's there's always cash flow, and that's... The reason I, I did not, because as we grew, kind of like that restaurant podcast we were talking about, that's why I really liked that one, because that lady made a lot of sense. When she added that extra day to her restaurant, she grossed more money, but she did not necessarily make more money. So would that... Well, she probably made more money, but far as what she could put in her own pocket was less. So the extra money you're making will go back into the business. So for her case, if she grew the business, but she also had added costs, she'd have extra labor. Maybe she had to buy more furniture. Uh, maybe there were some assets that needed she needed to invest in to sustain that. So you keep on talking about the money going back in the business. When it goes back in the business, what does it do then? Well, there's a few different things. One is inventory. So if you are taking in more orders, and that's where stock turn comes in, because how often you're turning the stock to, to get your money back, and then the longer it takes, the less you make. So a lot of your money goes into inventory, and then some of the money goes into assets. If, if you're paying for equipment, or you're buying a vehicle, or if you need a little bigger building, you know, you have more rent. So what were you uh, using the money for previously to O'Malley? Same thing. I mean, before O'Malley... Because now now with the O'Malley Drive location, you have a lot more overhead and you have more employees, but 
you know, was it the same thing that you were doing or were you trying to build, buy equipment or what were you trying to do with with that money previously to taking on a much, much more overhead? Yeah, it's basically always been the same thing because once we started processing our own uh, towels and started making some of our own product, uh, we used uh, outside contractors. So we really did not have equipment uh, cost or added building costs. We basically had inventory and people costs. And uh, some of part of the growing and learning is that extra cost might be on people. You might have more people than you actually realize. One, because of waste. Two, because of systems. So the extra cost as you grow is, for us, was one inventory, two people. And then eventually when we started processing our own uh, towels and making our own product eventually we started buying our own equipment and then we had asset costs but originally it was people and inventory so in um, this location you kind of talked about being part of like having other businesses what was that kind of like being part of that ecosystem where several businesses were existing in the same space as yours that was great i I really liked it because I was able to talk to other businesses and, uh, you know, understand that I'm not the only one that deals with cash flow. Um, I'm not the only one that maybe uh, approaches an investor so you can invest in your business for whatever you need. Um, you know, I was able to talk to other people in the, in the um, building about buying and selling. So different mechanics of business, much one like when I spoke with Jenny over that own the post office building, strip mall, she owned that and I was able to talk to her and she relayed some of her experiences. And so I was able to do the same thing. But now, like I said, that ecosystem, we had a business next to us and then uh, there was what two or three out in the warehouse than the shop so the one out in the warehouse was a trucking company and I was able to talk to them a little bit and that was pretty good and then what was another one out there I didn't talk to them that much they just basically stored product the one next to us they had a shelving business and I was able to talk to them quite a bit and that was good and then the guy that ran the wood shop I was able to converse with him so having that that was that was huge and probably I, I haven't had a chance to think about it till now but had a lot of benefits do you get taken you know any p- key pieces of information you took away from that or at least from those relationships yeah like the guy that ran the wood shop he was telling me about cash flow and how he struggled because he had to buy the wood and then in his environment much like when I owned when I made case goods he was basically doing the same thing and when you're in the commercial furniture 
or commercial, you know, making cabinets, a lot of times you don't, you do not get paid right away. It's 30, 60 days out. So he had to deal with that. And that's not really our case in our business. Most our, our invoices are paid within 30 days. We don't really have anything out that far. Well, he did, and he was much smaller than us. Uh, he probably did a fourth of the business we did. So whether you're a, a small business or a really small, we're a small business, but he was smaller than us, you still deal with some of the same things. And that was interesting talking about cash flow because, um, you know, sometimes you don't always pick up information you learn from. Sometimes the value in the conversation is just knowing somebody else is dealing with the same thing you're dealing with. So you keep on referencing uh, cash flow. Could you de- describe that to somebody that might not fully understand what you mean by cash flow? Well, cash flow is basically when you sell a product, you have money coming in, and then what do you do with that money? If you bring in a thousand dollars, and you owe for the building, you owe for the employees, you owe for the product you sell. Well you have to decide how to spend that money because the buildings do usually first a month. So your utilities, your rents are due in the beginning. Your product is usually on 30 days. So it depends on when you bought the product and then you have to pay. So if you, let's say you ship an order on the 20th of the month and let's say they pay right away. So on the 21st, you get a thousand dollars. Well, your rent may have been paid, may may not have paid. So let's say your rent was paid. What do you do with that $1,000? The product you bought is not due till July. Let's say you did this the 20th of June and 21st you got paid. Well, the product's invoice is not due till July. You have 30 days. So with the cash, you're not going to hang on to that $1,000 and wait till the till July 20th, you're going to take that $1,000, you're going to look at the invoices you have open, who you need to pay, you pay what you can, and then you're in the meantime building new orders, more money's coming in. So when July 20th come, the order that you make July 15th will pay for your July 20th or whatever, yeah, be your product cost in this example. So cash flow is the money you get in, managing the invoices. It's it's not like your home bills. I, I suppose you have home bills and you have cash flow so you can work that out. But with, um, with a business, you have invoices for product you're buying and selling. So I guess that's the difference. So would you give anybody advice um, on the transition? So what would you give advice to somebody on making that transition from, say, a part-time business owner to a full-time business owner? Well, one advice I would give is watch how you pay your bills, your home bills, and then also your business bills, and you want to maintain your credit rating. I think that can be really helpful, and it might take you longer to grow your business. So I would not pay any of your home 
uh, bills late, let's say because you're running low on cash and you do not have enough money, uh, you know, you, you got to pay your electric bill 10 late, 10 days late or your cell phone. I would figure out a way with your business model and your home model and whether you're working full time, kind of look at how that looks. And I would try to pay my invoices on time but i would put my home bills first and then your vendor bills pay your vendor bills a few days late if you have to you can always call the vendor up and say hey i know the invoices due on the 10th i have work coming in on the 15th you mind if i pay so that would be somebody in that those early stages what i'd tell them Okay, and then um, so let's we can start this probably this this next conversation in the next episode. But I want to kind of also get started with your journey to screen printing because I think at this location is also when you started uh, screen printing as well. Screen printing, yeah, I I did not think about that. Screen printing, that's a good question. I probably should have thought about that before. Screen printing actually started at the post office and that was from oh boy that was a customer that approached me about printing on towels and I did not know anything about printing and she was describing what she wanted to do and she said I can take you to a screen printer and I can show you what they do and how they do it and can you do this for me and that started actually at the post office, but kind of again, because me working full time in the business, because we had more room, it really started kicking in gear on O'Malley. So not only did you have us processing our own product and getting more aggressive on that, the screen printing became way more aggressive as well. Yeah, um, we could talk a little bit. We could probably start the conversation, but and we can finish up the conversation on the screen printing for the next episode. But uh, kind of describe a little bit about that journey of, of how you learned about screen printing and how to apply the ink to the textile and where to get those services. Yeah, that was actually pretty neat. Now I remember the lady's name was Bonnie, and she was an author, a successful author. And she wrote a cookbook and she got on QVC back in the day when QVC was huge. And that would have been the late 80s. And QVC, that was before the computer. And QVC was, was uh, it's still pretty big, but I mean, it was way, way bigger then. And she got on there with her cookbook and she sold a lot of them. And she sold so many that it did quite well for almost 20 years and then it started you know languishing and did not have the sales it once did so she had an idea to print some of her recipes on a towel and then make a package that if you buy the book you get a towel and she was going to revive her cookbook and that's when she approached me and 
then she brought me to a screen printer and showed me what screen printing was and then she found a screen printer for me here locally in Grand Rapids and we printed 4,000 towels for her which was a big order in fact I told her that it's like this is a big order we I believe we did about 4,000 towels for that restaurant change but that was all blank it wasn't printed so by this time I had the experience what it took to pack a lot of towels and boxes and put them on a pallet but I did not have the experience of printing a lot of towels and pack them in boxes and putting them on a pallet. So I, ha- I was like halfway there and she got me connected to someone that could print on them. And I told her that this is a little big for me and I need you to help me out with payment. And she did. So she paid nearly all of the cost up front. I was able to pay for the printer and, and make it work. And we've always been taken care of in this business life that that where uh, customers are willing to help out and and that's really where the journey started was with her yeah we can talk more about this uh next week we can start wrapping up do you have any other thoughts about you know the transition from part-time to full-time or cash flow or some of the other things you talked about no, it's just it was a lot of learning in the beginning stages, and it's just day in and day out. Uh, you know, like I said, that first big order we had with the two employees and and I think they were a little overwhelmed by the challenges and and we had challenges like nearly every day and that's just whether it's learning how to print process our own towels is just continually like that day in and day out and it is to this day just you're you know some people say well I don't like change well that's the nature of business there is always change and there's always obstacles you're trying to overcome come it's always a constant troubleshooting yeah and and the nice thing about it with the tps system we have involved we have in place right now back then as we got busier and grew not only was it troubleshooting it was also fire putting out so i think that's where the business became in some ways kind of overwhelming and and also exhausting at times because not only are you troubleshooting but you're also putting out fires where nowadays we mainly troubleshoot we problem solve there's not too many fires we put out because we have the systems in place it's more trying to develop the systems instead of trying to solve the problems either with the customer or the vendor Right, right, exactly. Yeah, develop the systems. The systems will help the customer and, and, and help the vendors, and, and it mitigates a lot of that. Okay, well, we can wrap it up here, and we'll have a next episode next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We know that this week's been tough in many ways. Um, seeing all the evil that's been going on on the TV screen, loss of life, damage of property, And we just want to end this episode just in quiet. Just take the moment to reflect and let your hearts and minds and prayers go out to those those that are suffering right now.